Are beavers really worth a damn? These furry agents of change create and maintain essential wetlands. No one's going to argue that they improve their environment for the better, but I'm starting to think that they change the lives of the people who work with them as well. Let me show you what I mean. As you can tell from that Highland introduction, this interview is going to be different. I'm talking today with Paul Ramsey of Banff, Scotland. When I spoke with Paul originally last week, he knew the good news about the free beavers of the River Tay, but he couldn't say it until it was officially announced. So I'm going to be incorporating that interview with some of the official reports from Friday's news. It's a very exciting time in Scotland, and I am thrilled about it. No, it was hunted to extinction in Scotland in the 16th century, but the beaver is making a comeback. An official trial reintroduction project is now well established in Argyle, but on the other side of the country, a colony of around 100 beavers is living in the wild on Tayside. No one knows for sure how they got there, and not everyone is happy with their presence. But the Scottish Government has this morning blocked a proposal for a cull. What happened was that in, in around 2001, some beavers escaped from a wildlife uh, sort of park, a wildlife, not a park in the American National Park sense, but in a, a wildlife center, let's put it like that. And um, there have been a few other escapes as well from other places. And anyhow, um, these had increased in numbers. And in 2010, the, um, the, the government, well, they sort of... Um, agency involved with nature conservation, the government agency, decreed that what they thought was the population of between 6 and 20 beavers um, in the River Tay and, its, um, and, and, and the other rivers, its tributaries, was to be removed. Uh-huh. And so we were very much shocked because we knew that there were many more than that. And we also uh, became aware very quickly that there weren't the places that they thought they would be able to rehouse them in in the British Isles. And right, was, and they uh, said originally these were going to be moved into zoos, and exactly. the idea was and, that and ultimately we went, that was not going to be possible, exactly. and they were going to be killed, right? Exactly, that's exactly it. That, well, that was going to have to be the consequence. And we learned that, the, that that was, in fact, would in fact be the case when we did a Freedom of Information request and had had got the correspondence relating to the, uh, you know, the what they call the feral beavers, what we call the free beavers of the Tay. Right. Uh-huh. And it seemed extraordinary to us that this successful population that had, through by accident, become, you know, they had recolonized by accident, but yeah. that they were going to think of, an officialdom was thinking of, of um, exterminating them while at the same time spending up to £2 million to re-establish an official population, as it were, over in the west of Scotland. It seemed quite ridiculous, and I think it seemed absurd to so many people that this this could possibly happen. Why would you delete beavers in one part of the country while spending £2 to bring them to have a trial to restore them in the other part? Let's go live to Perthshire now, and our environment correspondent, David Miller. David, how has this news been received there? 
With uh, mixed emotions, I think it's probably fair to say, David, but many people are happy that the Tay Beavers will have at least another three years to carry on living and breeding here in Perthshire in the catchment for the Tay River. The decision not to proceed with a cull and to grant them what may ultimately be a stay of execution made perhaps turn out to be permanent residency was made by Scotland's Environment Minister Stuart Stevenson. I caught up with him and uh, asked him why he had made this particular decision. Today we've agreed that we'll set up our monitoring system for the next three years for the beavers in the Tayside area, essentially making that something that we'll monitor over the same period as the Napdale beavers. We'll get the information that enables us to make our final decision in 2015. I think the important thing in our decisions on beavers are that they be informed by science. How um, how have you kind of worked to to organise to to overcome that idea? I mean, I know you have a very successful Facebook page that has over a thousand members. And what else has been helpful to you in the campaign to? stop that process? I think that the combination of the, I think the Facebook page was very important. Uh I think we were very lucky to have concentrated local support and we were very lucky that the editor of the Blairgari Advertiser, which is a small local country newspaper, was interested in our cause and so provided us with with good an outlet for good for publicity. Right. And, And so it was a combination of, of local people who felt indignant about this thing and the local newspaper and the Facebook which took the thing international right. and, and then the freedom of information thing was absolutely wonderful. And I think one of the other things was that we did feel that, that we, could, we mustn't, although discipline is important in these things, that in fact it was really important that we advanced on a broad front, that different people with different attitudes and, 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 and cases, as it were, uh, should, should express themselves. Yeah. And so I think that it, it, we've learned that the official world found this very hard to deal with because at the one hand you had people who were more sort of like almost animal liberationists and on the other hand you had people who were sort of um, in the land managing sort of thing and seemed kind of more orthodox in a sense and and right. so there was a wide range of views that got expressed in a variety of different ways. And I think that, although I don't know, I think quite a lot of letter writing happened, and that was helpful. Uh-huh. So the combination of a favorable approach in the media and, in, and in through um, Internet and, the, and, and Twitter uh, and Facebook and so on, <laughs> I think those all, uh, all were, were, were useful. And yeah. just the fact that, that once you've got a, a population of the order of 100, it's much less easy for to to present their you know their their um, eradication as a as a favourable you know great a good thing to do. It's sort of it it really gets up it really upsets people. Right, that right. That sort of mass slaughter might happen. What, what what has been the most work about this process for you, Paul? Well, the I think that the. The work, I think the work, it's not so much for me in a way, because actually it's really my wife Louise who has <laughs> been very much the, who has, I mean, if, if she hadn't been here, um, I don't know what we'd have done. 
Good news then for you this morning. Yes, this is excellent news. We're very pleased, very grateful and want to say thank you to all the people who've supported our campaign in Tayside, in Scotland, in, in the UK and in fact across the world. Who We've had a tremendous amount of support for this. We heard from Mr Stevenson there though, talking about the impact which beavers can have on people's livelihoods. They are relatively close to... Uh, centres of population in this in this part of the world. It's, it's not quite as remote as Knapdale Forest in Argyll. What would you say to allay the concerns of, of people, and there are many of them, who are worried about the impact beavers could have here? Well, beavers exist in the whole of Eurasia and the whole of North America, and mitigation techniques have been developed um, for all the kind of problems that beavers can produce. And we've got knowledge of how these mitigation techniques work, and we're, um, we're eager to get on with, um, with working with government and with stakeholders to solve any problems that come up. But having said that, um, beavers' main impact um, is tremendously positive, and this is well recognised by science. And, and I'm delighted to hear that the, the, the minister is going to have a scientific approach. One of the big concerns, of course, is, is flooding, also damage to woodland, uh, interference with the movement of, 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 of fish on our, on our rivers. Can you address those specific points? The um, beavers are actually used in North America to bring salmon back to rivers ruined by logging. They have a tremendously positive impact on on salmon and other species of fish because the habitat made by beavers, um, the dams that they make create pools um, which are rich in insects, actually, which are tremendous um, habitat for salmon par amongst many other species. And so the overall um, impact of beavers on salmon is a positive one. She has so much taken the initiative and she has so much, uh, sort of, she's really done the, the strategy, I think, really. I mean, I've suggested lines and so on, but she's been the person who has got on the telephone, who has, it was she, I think, who, um, well, I think that we were lucky again that other um, local uh, local people were interested and knew about how to work Twitter and and and, and Facebook was quite yeah. also you know this thing and then we had somebody else. But I think that so far as then, but we then did set up the the the, the Free Beaver um, group, but within what then became the Scottish Wild Beaver Group, which we became. Um, a charitable organisation to do with education and conservation. Right. But I suppose you might say that a sort of wing, but not quite the same thing, was involved with the campaign to actually save the free beavers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we were going to ask Louise what was the hardest part, what would she say? I think I... she's found that over the year, uh, keeping people together um, uh-huh. and uh, thinking of things you know, and, and using the good ideas that people have come up with whether it was the canoe um, event down the Tay that we ran in June last year, or whether it had hanging a bang- banner from, uh, or um, you know the various the various things. Right. The, who was it who thought of the freedom of information request and how to set about getting it? All these all these things were drawn to I think pulled together by her and by well by us. Um, and having the regular meetings where we discussed all these things. Right. So I think those were, it sounds, it sounds a little bit vague in a way, but I th- and I think that what was the hardest work, I think, was um, really the patience, getting to the moment when 
Well, I think that there were certainly significant moments. I think they were terribly lucky moments. In a way, for example, there was... But I think the long-term thing that's really uh, the cost is is the ups and downs, the patience in waiting for the government minister to to make a public announcement, which we're still waiting for. Right. Uh, and, And then the business of... You know, if nothing very much is going on and you're waiting for something to happen, the fall away of interest, and yet you've got to try and keep people keep around people so that they, yeah. so that whenever something bubbles up, you can react quickly. I think <clears throat> what we're already thinking about very much is the, our next phase, and there are two aspects to that. One is that for the longer run, we would really like to see the beavers properly protected. Uh-huh. The with it's true the possibility i think what they're called um sure i can't remember what they're called um in, in the european law but the <clears throat> the business of being derogations yeah. the use of derogation so that you know you can relocate or uh, yes that sort of thing or make right. arrangements for um well you know beavers receivers flow devices that sort of thing uh-huh. so things like that are allowed for and built into the whole protection arrangement and the, but the other thing is of course well with this whole business of learning how to um to well, we need to to train people to do um to do like with my calican and the beaver solutions <laughs> we need to perhaps also in due course to get people to be trained whether in Bavaria to use that be- the beaver traps that they use there yeah. or whether we could eventually the problem in this country is that the, ha- the Hancock trap is, is illegal right. it would be great to have been able to send people to somebody like Sherry Tippy uh-huh. for instruction in how to use those traps effectively and humanely so that where it was truly necessary then a family of beavers could be relocated in some other place from the place where they were decided to be right. too, you know, too much to, to uh, for the for the you know the, the farmer or whatever to um, yeah to, to tolerate. So there, as a, as a part of the of the ecosystem, as part of the restore restoration right. of, of right. habitat types that have diminished so dramatically and terribly, yeah. um, you know, over the over over time. Well. I, I mean, I also want to be able to ask you, so you can see beavers regularly on your land? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Once, once the summer, well, with the increasing daylight, it's, incre- it's, 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 it's quite easy to see them at various places. Well, t- t- tell me about what you love to see. What's a favorite thing? Well, I think, oh, well, I think that, that it's just delightful to see Seen be- uh, beavers grooming each other, uh-huh. mothers grooming their little ones, uh, uh-huh. beavers swimming about, and so on. Um, and also the interactions between beavers and otters, things like yeah. that, are terribly exciting. Uh, last summer, I was very thrilled to see on a couple of occasions uh, a beavers, well, as a standoff really between beavers and, <laughs> and otters, uh, the wow. beavers wanting to ensure that the otters didn't get the wrong idea about, about, their, about the kits. Yeah. Um, and but I think just the kind of accumulation of the accumulation of things like that. But just seeing a beaver nibbling away at at at, at you know, vegetation um, and swimming in that wonderful graceful way, maybe dragging a little branch with with yeah. uh, with leaves at the end of it, and I mean all those things um, are 
exciting. And the things things that I really it would be terribly interesting to see the that sort of underwater dance they do yeah. of, uh, do something like yeah. that. It yeah. needs just to, to know that they're around. And of course here I mean we've had beavers now for ten years but and and one's constant you know, the in one sense one says, would it, it was ten years on, except everyone's own life will be another ten years, you know, to go and and uh, but you know the, the, it's it was this business of wanting to be really patient at the same time realizing that in the last ten years so much has happened here in in the way that habitats have changed. I mean, we have a dam here that's about 110 yards long, which I know is not exceptional, um, but in, in the context of uh, um, of a country where there haven't been beavers, well, there haven't been beavers in Scotland for about 400 years, although yeah. I think that there is evidence that there were beavers in England much more recently, but to have a 110-yard-long beaver dam is is a real, it's a real thrill. And Steve, when you think that maybe that wasn't going to turn into such a long dam and right. it seemed to be turning into maybe not a very exciting <laughs> piece of waterway. And then the rains come and the dam extends and you've got this wonderful pool. Right, right. Uh, so, well, and your beavers, they're a different species than our beavers, right? Your castor fiber. Species. Yeah, they're fiber rather than uh, canadensis. Yeah, and but, do, but your beavers, do they make noise? Do you hear them? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, they do. They make a, a range of noises. <laughs> okay, great. Well, actually, well, very similar to yours because, they, well, they make these little sort of <laughs> noise and um, you know, sort of ch- little noises. You can feel them. You can hear, think of, imagine them. You know, talking with each other yeah. in their lodges. It's interesting to point out, Gary and David, that Louise's husband's family here on the Banff estate, they arrived in 1232, I think, back mm-hmm. when beavers were still living happily <laughs> in Scotland, <laughs> before they were hunted to extinction about 400 years ago. And now the family's still here and the beavers are back, perhaps for good. Paul, I am so grateful that you could talk with us at Agents of Change, and I uh, really appreciate having been involved with you and the um, the beavers of the River Tay. I think it's been fascinating to watch it happen and to really connect with the brilliant people you have on your team. You really well, have great minds in your club. Well, the thing that I've club. forgotten to say, and I should say now, is that we, we I can't tell you how grateful we were we are to you, Heidi, and to your support.